0: grab your copy of God's Word this morning, join me once again in the book of Ephesians as we continue on in our series through this important book, Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22, walking through verse 33 this morning is where we will spend our time together. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 33, a message entitled, Marriage, a Gospel Billboard. On our 15th wedding anniversary, we, my wife and I, were able to go and celebrate in New York City, and I don't know if you've ever been there, maybe you've seen pictures of what it looks like in Times Square, but it is a sensory overload. There are digital billboards all over the place that are doing everything they can to grab your attention so that you would look and buy whatever they're offering, take part in whatever they're proclaiming, whatever it looks like. They want you to buy into what's going on. In fact, as you drive down the interstate, you will see billboards all over the place that are advertising certain things. And this morning, here's my question for you, and what we're going to talk about as we look at what God's word has to say about marriage. Here's the question What would your marriage billboard look like? What would it say to the world outside? If you are a married couple here this morning, what would your billboard look like? What would it say? Some of you are absolutely terrified right now. You're thinking of all the Sundays I could have skipped, I didn't do this one, right? I want you to know that as we walk through the text this morning, as we look at what God's word has to say about marriage, you may at times not like what God's word has to say. You may at times not like what I have to say. And I would just say to you in that, if you have the itch to email me on the back end of today, Kerlin at gonorthriver.org, okay? Now, church, on a more serious note, I want you to hear my heart here. I think that Christian marriages are one of the central ways in which the gospel of Jesus Christ is proclaimed in the world. And so I want to read the text for us this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22, going down through the end of the chapter, verse 33, and then we'll walk back through it together. This is what Paul writes. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife... Even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see, you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. As we dive into the text this morning, you know, I told Pastor Scott when I got started that I was going to preach a pre-sermon to the sermon, all right? So you with me this morning, church? Pre-sermon to the sermon. I just want to lay out for you as we are diving into Ephesians chapter 5, as Paul just dives headlong into talking about marriage, I want us to understand at the beginning this important truth. And it's this, if God created the institution of marriage, which he did, in Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two, it lays out for us that God created the institution of marriage, then two things have to be true about that. One, God has the absolute right to define what marriage is. And number two, God has the absolute right to direct us how we are to live within that institution of marriage. All right. Some of you are like, man, you just hit it hard, pastor. And here's the reason why. Because there is a ton of confusion Right now, about this issue. And there has been confusion for years about this issue in our culture. And let me unpack that in this pre-sermon, I promise I'm going to keep it brief, but just let me lay this out for you as we think about this first realization that God who created marriage has the right to define what marriage is. And I want you to know that for us, our tendency is going to want to be to buck against what God says is the way that things should function. And so as we look at that, when we talk about the definition of marriage, what God lays out for us in Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, what's reaffirmed by Jesus when he's asked about the issue of marriage, what's affirmed here by Paul as he's writing about marriage is that the institution of marriage as God created it and ordained it is to be a lifelong covenant relationship between one man and one woman. That is God's intent and design for marriage. Now, here's what we need to recognize and understand, that marriage as an institution is under attack, and it has been under attack for years and years and years, and it's under attack in a couple of different ways. One of the ways in which marriage is under attack is simply to minimize the importance of marriage at all. Marriage is not really that big of a deal. In fact, you can live together and you can enjoy the benefits of a married life and not have to make a commitment to one another in that institution before God. Our culture has said that. Our culture has also said that marriage is disposable. It's primarily about your happiness and my happiness, and if I'm not happy, then I can hit the eject button and I can leave. And I want you to know that that's not God's intent for marriage. God's intent for marriage is not a union of anything other than one man and one woman in a lifelong covenant relationship with one another. That is God's definition of what marriage is. Now you look and you say, now Pastor Michael, we live in a culture that is constantly attacking that. And we do. And here's what I want to challenge you and challenge myself with, that in as much boldness and confidence that this is what God's word says, we should remain firm as a church, as believers on what God's word teaches, and we should do it with kindness, all right? I want you to hear me on this, because here's where the challenge comes in. If we remain firm and fixed and steadfast, this is what God's word teaches, but we do not have kindness, we come across as jerks, okay? It's just the truth of it. And the opposite of this is the case. If all we are is kind and we don't remain firm on this is what the institution of marriage is, then we will waffle in everything that the culture says. And for us, here's what I know as well. All of us probably at this point in time cringe a little bit inside because we know situations and circumstances where what God defines as marriage is not playing out, maybe in our family, maybe as friends, and things like that. And so here's what I want you to know. For us as believers, we have a responsibility to remain firm on what God's word teaches And it may be uncomfortable and it may be harsh in our minds or in the culture's minds. But church, if God created the institution of marriage, he has the right to define what it is. We don't have the right to say, I don't like that and I want to do it differently. So in that, as the pre-sermon, you ready to dive in? As we think about, not only does God have the right to define what marriage is, but he has the right to direct how we should live within the marriage covenant, and I want you to notice this main idea that will frame our time together as we walk through the text. It's this truth, Christian marriages should serve as a gospel billboard in the world. Christian marriages. Marriages between two believers should serve as a flashing billboard of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the culture in which we live. And we're going to unpack that as we walk through the text this morning, but I want you to notice that Paul addresses wives in the first part of the text and then he addresses husbands in the second part of the text and husbands I just want you to know there's a whole lot more verses for us you see that As we walk through it this morning, though, I want you to notice that this is what Paul is going to do. He's going to provide an exhortation to wives, and then he's going to offer an explanation to wives of why he offered that exhortation. And then he's going to do the same thing for husbands. Husbands, this is what you should do. Here's why you should do this. And so as we look at what Paul writes here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God this is the exhortation that he gives in verse 22 to wives. Look with me here. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. So the exhortation to wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. Now, wives, some of you may be bristling right now, Some of you may be shooting daggers at Pastor Michael, and that's okay. Here's what I want you to understand and to see what God is communicating here through His Word. This word submit has turned into an ugly word in our culture. None of us want to submit. None of us want to yield to anyone else's authority, and yet the truth is that when Paul is writing this, the word that he uses here for submit is actually a military term. And it is for someone who is serving within the military, who has a commanding officer who has authority over them to willingly do what that commanding officer has asked them to do. And so as we look here, what we have to recognize and understand is that for marriage, for what God has instituted as a covenant relationship between one man and one woman, that here there is roles that we take part in in marriage. Husbands have the primary role of responsibility in marriage. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Well, you can rewind back to Genesis chapter 3 and you can see that when Adam and Eve are in the garden, when they're enjoying all that God has given them and God says to them, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the only tree that you're not to eat of. And in that moment, what we see is that they disobeyed God. And one of the fascinating things that takes place is, I don't know if you know this or not, but go back and read Genesis chapter 3. Adam doesn't lead the way in partaking of the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Eve leads the way in that. Now, do not elbow your spouse here, okay? But I want you to notice on the back end of that, when God comes to Adam and Eve on the back end of their sin, who does God go to first? He goes to Adam. Why would God go to Adam if Eve was the one who sinned first, right? And there's a reason behind that. It's because God held Adam responsible for he and his wife's sin in this moment. That Adam, instead of leading his wife in a better way, instead chose not to. And God comes to Adam and said, what did you do? What happened? So in this, when we look at this term, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, this word is used in a couple of different contexts throughout the scriptures. One, it's used in the context of Christ and the church. And it says that the church is to submit itself to Christ. It also says that Jesus, in coming to this earth, submitted himself to the will of his Father. This is not a dirty word. It's not an ugly word. In fact, it is a beautiful word that's played out here. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Now, even as we think about that word submit, I want you to notice that What this is not is a minimization of the dignity or the worth of the wife. I want you to hear me in this. In no way is Paul, through the inspiration of the Lord, saying, Wives, you are second-class citizens. You don't measure up to how great and magnificent your husband is. Laugh, laugh, right? You're beneath them. You are not as good as them. It's not at all what this is talking about. And I also want you to know that this is in no way a license for abuse to take place. I want you to hear me in this. In no way, husbands, should you verbally, physically abuse your wife. That is not at all what Paul is saying here. He is not giving a license for that to take place in any way. In fact, if you're in a situation where you are unsafe, my encouragement to you is to get out of that situation as a wife. I want you to notice, Paul says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And he gives here an explanation in verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife even as christ is the head of the church his body as is himself its savior now think about the picture that paul is drawing here Paul is saying to wives, submit to your husbands. And he says here, the husband is the head or bears responsibility for the wife, for the family. Husbands, it's your role, it's your responsibility to lead your families well. And here he says, the husband is the head of the wife. And notice the comparison here. Even as Christ is the head of the church. Now think about that. The reason that I said earlier that marriage is a billboard of the gospel of Jesus Christ is beginning to come on full display here. That the marriage relationship, husband and wives, is to be lived out in the same way that the relationship is lived out between Christ and His church. And so the admonition to wives here is in the same way that the church willingly submits to its Savior, willingly submits. To Jesus, you wives, submit to your husbands in that way. Allow your husbands to lead in that way. One of the curses that the Lord pronounces in Genesis chapter 3 regarding the wife is for Eve that her desire is going to be for her husband's role and responsibility, It's one of the curses of sin in the world. In Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 15, as you walk through that, you see that played out. And that's what Paul is addressing here. That for the Christian couple, for the wife, her responsibility is to yield to the leadership of her husband in the same way that the church yields to the leadership of Christ. Verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Wives, I want to talk to you for just a second. And at the end of messages like this, Janie, my wife, always says, do you feel a little awkward there? Sometimes it's tough because here's the thing. What you don't know that I know is a lot of things that are transpiring right now in marriages in our church family. And I know that there are some of you who are absolutely struggling right now in your marriage. There are some of you who are sitting out here right now who are praying to God right now. God, would this be the moment? That things change for us. And I want to encourage you, Christian wife, don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. Don't look and say, this can't happen in my life. I would love for this to transpire. I would love for a marriage to be marked by Christ's relationship with the church. I would desire that. I want to encourage you. Don't lose heart. As we look at this, what we realize is that this passage is built on the truth of our identity in Jesus Christ. None of us, in our own strength and in our own ability, apart from God's work within us to transform us, can accomplish what Paul lays out here. We are desperately in need of God at work in our hearts and in our lives. And maybe you're here this morning, and you're a wife, and you say, Pastor, what's the answer here? And let me just begin at this point. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because if you are walking through a difficult season in your marriage right now, I can assure you, you desperately need Jesus. Jesus. He is the only one that will sustain you and strengthen you as you walk through this, enable you to live out what God's word gives us here. Beginning in verse 25, I want you to notice this exhortation to husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Now, wouldn't it be nice if it just stopped there? How are you to love your wife? Where's the bar set? As Christ loved the church. Amen or ouch? Husbands, right? The standard for us as we look at what it means to love our wives, the standard is Christ's love for his church. How did Christ love his church? He gave himself up for her. So husbands, here's the exhortation by Paul. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. It's that easy, right? Like, whoa, hang on. Notice what he says, continuing on, verse 26, that he might sanctify her, that is Christ in the church, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. What kind of love Did Christ demonstrate for His church? Well, it was a sacrificial love for one, that Jesus Christ willingly laid His life down for the church. For you and for me, Jesus came to this earth and laid his life down, gave up his life so that we could be forgiven of our sins and brought in relationship with our heavenly father. Husbands, love your wives like that type of sacrifice. Husbands, lay your lives down for your wife. Be willing to die to your selfish desires and ambitions for your wife's sake. Not only did he love the church sacrificially and selflessly, but think about this. He loved the church extravagantly. And when you begin to paint the picture of what Jesus Christ did for his church, what you see is extravagant love. What you see is him do something beyond any of our wildest dreams or imagination to take us from where we were and to bring us to where we are today in Christ. Extravagant love. Husbands, love your wives extravagantly. My granddad, who I dearly love, used to make a comment, and it always grated on my nerves because I thought about this passage of Scripture. He'd say something to the effect of, when I married your grandmother, I told her I loved her then, and if I change my mind, I'll let her know. But that's not what's displayed here. In fact, for us husbands, we should demonstrate our love for our spouse constantly, extravagantly, laying our lives down for them. I want you to notice the purpose he says here that Christ loved his church, to be able to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she would be holy and without blemish. I want you to notice from the exhortation to love our wives as Christ loved the church, notice this explanation to husbands on why. Verse 28, in the same way, Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Here's the explanation. He who loves his wife loves himself. Husbands, think about that for just a second. You demonstrating selfless, sacrificial, extravagant, purposeful love to your wife is actually, in fact, Paul saying here under the inspiration of the Lord, loving yourself. Verse 29, for no one ever hated his own flesh. Think about this, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. One of the beautiful pictures that we see here is that Christ doesn't leave his church to fend for themselves, that he nourishes and cherishes his church. I want you to know this, that Jesus Christ loves His church. That He nourishes His church. That He cherishes His church and husbands. That's the way we should relate with our wives. We're in the process right now of adding some landscaping at our house. And there's one person that I know of who knows landscaping like the back of his hand. Jeff Carr, if you ever need any landscaping advice, Jeff Carr is your guy. Because he knows what it takes for a plant to be planted and to flourish and to nourish it and for it to grow. And so... You can come to this property occasionally and you'll see him out with his backpack sprayer on and he's putting some type of voodoo magic on these plants around here to nourish them and to kill the bugs and to help them grow the way that they're supposed to. And husbands, that's our responsibility with our wife. That we are to nourish and cherish our wives in the same way that Christ nourishes and cherishes his church. You may be here this morning, and you're a husband who looks at this and thinks, there's no way that I can measure up. There's no way that I can accomplish this. There's no way that I can do what you're saying here. And here's the truth. In your own strength and power, you're absolutely right. But don't lose sight of what Paul has laid out for us, that the strength to live out the Christian life and to live out a Christian marriage is not our own strength and ability. It is through Christ at work in our lives. So if you're here this morning and you are a husband and you look and say, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, can I encourage you this morning, start there. Because you can't live out here apart from Christ living in your heart. Husbands, I want to challenge you as well. If you and your wife are struggling in your marriage right now, lead your family well and get help. Get counseling from a Christian counselor who's going to lay out for you the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and help what we see here come to play out in your life. Don't just throw it away. Don't walk away from a marriage because you think there is no hope. I want you to hear me this morning. There is absolutely hope for your marriage men, husbands, lead the way in getting that help. Verse 31, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Paul quoting from Genesis, verse 32, this mystery is profound and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. I asked you the question at the beginning, what would your marriage billboard say? As you look at your marriage relationship, what would that say to the world around you? Would it be a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of Christ's love for his church, not perfectly, but growing in that? Or would you look and say, Pastor Michael, I don't even want to venture to say. I'm heartbroken in this moment as you've talked about this, and I, I don't know what I would say our marriage looks like. I'd encourage you this morning as our worship team makes their way back up and We're going to spend some time singing and time in prayer before the Lord, and then we'll celebrate communion together before we leave this morning. But I want to encourage you, if right now you are struggling, maybe the step, wife, or husband that you need to take is to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, maybe that's where it needs to begin with you. Maybe wives, you're looking and saying, you know, I've, I've not lived out what Ephesians chapter 5 says. Or husbands, you look and say, I've not lived out what Ephesians chapter 5 says. And maybe now you need to grab your spouse and you need to spend some time on your knees here at this altar in prayer before the Lord to ask God to work in your marriage. And you may be tempted to sit or to stand right where you are and say, I don't want anybody to know what's going on. Don't allow that to rule the day in your life. Use this as an opportunity for God to begin a healing work in your life. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you for the truth that proclaims even at times when it's hard to hear. And Father, as we look at your word, what we see is a beautiful, glorious picture of marriage. A picture of the gospel. We see Jesus Christ and his love for his church. We see a church that is submitting to its Savior. God, would you grant that the marriages here at North River Church would be billboards that proclaim that to this world? God, where there is salvation that needs to take place, would you work now? in hearts God if there's healing that needs to take place would you begin to work even now Father use this time to strengthen us to strengthen our marriages we ask that in Jesus name Amen. I want to ask you, if you would, to stand. We'll have an opportunity to sing. I want to encourage you not to head out. Maybe you need to come down to this altar and spend some time in prayer. I'll be down front here for a little bit. Maybe you need to grab your spouse's hand and you need to come down. I want to encourage you to respond to the Lord this morning.